Get you some radio. Hypnosis. You're just basically communicating with the subconscious mind, which is where almost all of your decisions are made. You make almost, it's between 10 and 7%, uh, or 3 and 7% of the decisions that you make are, are made cognitively. The rest of the decisions that we make are made emotionally, regardless of what the context is. So the vast majority of the time, you're going to make an emotional decision. The persuasion and influence language allows you to talk to the part of the brain that's actually going to make the decision rather than talking to the, the frontal lobes where we don't make decisions. And, uh, but when we're taught to sell, we're taught sell the sizzle, not the steak. And then they teach, teach you how to sell the steak. <laughs> no, no, no. Your weekly dose of inspiration, inspiration. Perspiration. perspiration, and just the right amount of bull defecation. <laughs> the Get You Some Radio Show with your host, the vice president of making shit happen, Terry Lancaster. Greetings and salutations, everyone. Welcome back to the Get You Some Radio Show. I'm your host, Terry Lancaster, and uh, welcome to the Get You Some Studio. I'm, I'm pretty excited about today's guest. I've been wanting to have my buddy James on for, uh, for, for a year, maybe even two years, but I waited until his book came out. He's got a book that came out just a couple of weeks ago. It's called The Mind Hacker's Guide to Selling the Science of Easily, Ethically Influencing the human mind. James Springer is a, a body deception analyst, an NLP expert. He's, uh, he's, he's an expert at detecting lies and uh, examining body language, deception analysis. He's like, a, he's like a little mini CIA guy, but as far as I know, he's never been in the CIA, or at least if he has, he, he, he just can't talk about it. We're going to be back with uh, James Springer to talk about the Mind Hacker's Guide to Selling right after this. Make more friends. Sell more cars. 97% of car shoppers say they would prefer to know their salesperson before they ever set foot in the dealership. People buy from people they know, like, and trust, and they refer their family and friends to people they know, like, and trust. Visit TerryLancaster.org to learn how your sales staff can get more reviews, more referrals, and more repeat business by building better, stronger, more authentic relationships online and in real life. TerryLancaster.org James, so I, I guess you've never been in the CIA, but uh, you couldn't tell me if you had, right? No, I couldn't tell you if I had. <laughs> so I'll take that as a no. How you been, buddy? I've been well. How about yourself? I'm 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 doing fantastic. I um I met James a couple of years ago. Uh, we're we're both in an organization here in Nashville called the Nashville Association of Sales Professionals, and I've seen him speak there on deception analysis and body language. And every time I hear him speak, I get, uh, I, I get some new information about this stuff. And I was very excited when the book came out uh, that he, he, he kind of jumbled everything in everything that I'm fascinated in. It's a uh, body language and, uh, and deception analysis and, and NLP and, and the, the language of selling and how to, uh, how to form hooks in the brain. So, so James, tell us about it. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna phrase this question in a way you'd appreciate. In what ways can the mind hacker's guide to selling improve lives? Well, there, there's a number of ways that it can. I believe that salespeople are leaving tens of millions of dollars on the table every year, not because they're bad salespeople or because they've got an inferior product or bad. They don't have a price advantage. It, I think a lot of it is just because they're not given the full, the full. They're not given all the pieces to the puzzle. You know, when I was trained to sell. I wasn't taught this stuff. When I trained salespeople for years, I didn't teach this stuff because I didn't know it. So, you know, a lot of the things that are now science, 
back when we were young, uh, uh, were considered to be parlor tricks and hoodoo type stuff, woo-woo stuff. And now science has proven all of those things to be actual science. So there's, there's things that you can use that will, like, like I said on the top of the book, to ethically persuade the human mind. And, you know, people ask me if some of this stuff is manipulation. And in a way, yes, it is. I mean, if you say manipulation is bad, then no, it's not. If, if you say manipulation is just forcing a choice or helping assisting a choice, then no, it's not bad. Persuasion and influence is just a way to get a person to do what's best for them as long as the person is ethical. And I stress ethics when I teach this stuff because a person who's unethical and really dives into these five keys can do a lot of damage. So, you know, I always try to teach, you know, and, and make sure that people are ethical that I teach this as much as possible. So you mentioned right, as that. As far as helping salespeople, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, so you mentioned that. Let's, let's talk about the five keys to successful communication. Break it down for us. What are the five areas that you talk about and emphasize? All right, in the book, the, the five keys to powerfully effective communication are personality profiling, body language, perception analysis, microexpression analysis, and persuasion and influence linguistics. Yeah. And persuasion and influence linguistics is where you're getting the NLP part of it. Uh, actually, it's not NLP. It's, I mean, NLP plays a part, but the biggest part comes from uh, what's called conversational hypnosis. It's not you know, deep trance hypnosis. It's just basically a way to communicate with the subconscious mind directly rather than having to process and filter through the conscious mind. Conversational <laughs> hypnosis, you say? Yes. All right. So NLP, what well, like I say, it's not, it's not going to go ahead. Go ahead. No, uh, well, it's not, it's not, it's not like you're, you're putting somebody in a trance and, <laughs> and, you know, doing the things that you can do with deep trance hypnosis. You're just basically communicating with the subconscious mind, which is where almost all of your decisions are made. You make almost it's between 10 and, th and 7%, uh, or three and 7% of the decisions that you make are made cognitively. The rest of the decisions that we make are made emotionally, regardless of what the context is. So the vast majority of the time, you're going to make an emotional decision. The persuasion and influence language allows you to talk to the part of the brain that's actually going to make the decision rather than talking to the, the frontal lobes where we don't make decisions. And, uh, but when we're taught to sell, we're taught sell the sizzle, not the steak. And then they teach, teach you how to sell the steak. They don't <laughs> teach you the sizzle. They don't teach you what the sizzle is. And the sizzle is an emotional attachment to your product or service. Once you get somebody emotionally engaged and, and attached to your product, it's, it's a lot easier to sell them. So, so what's, how, how do we start with, how do we get emotion involved? How do we get people thinking with the emotional side of their brain and, and, and uh, you know, foregoing the, uh, the logical part and, and relying on, on emotion? Well, we can't stop the emotional mind from making a decision. And that's why it's so futile to speak to the conscious mind because the unconscious mind is going to make the decision one either way. But uh, the, the way that you do it is through the five keys, you know, personality profiling is, is critical because I mean, it's the gateway to all of the, all of the rest of the keys because understanding a person's personality and I teach you an easy way to do it. It's not like, I mean, an assessment would be great where you had a 50 page report to look through, but you can, you can do a really quick personality assessment just by knowing whether a person is introverted, extroverted, people-oriented, or task-oriented. And if you know those four things, then you know what their personality com com complex is, and you can basically communicate with that person on a level that they're accustomed to or that they prefer to be communicated with 
Uh, for instance, my type personality doesn't like a lot of minutia. We don't like a lot of details. So if you come to me with a sales presentation and you got a bunch of spreadsheets and pie charts and, and all this stuff, you'll lose me. I want the top line, the bottom line and no fluff. And, you know, but if you talk to one who, someone who is introverted task oriented, they're going to want all kinds of spreadsheets and all kinds of data. They can't get enough data. So knowing that, then you can not say, well, my personality is this and yours is that. So we're going to have a conflict. You, when you know that you have an advantage because most other people don't know how to, how to, what it does. So you just change your personality to theirs. And once you do, then you can communicate with them at a level that they're used to communicating. You can pro help them process information the way they process information naturally. So it makes very quick rapport <laughs> with my clients. I, I will go through, I'll go through all of this stuff and eventually I will have them take an assessment, but I want them to get to know me first. And then when they take their assessment and they get the report, I, I ask them, once they understand, I ask them what personality, what temperament do I have? And they have 100% of the time told me I have the same temperament as they do. <laughs> so, so you're basically, everyone is a combination of, of, of two, two spectrums, I guess, introvert and expert, extrovert and task oriented and, and, and people oriented. So you're an extrovert and, and task oriented? Task oriented. Yeah, so that mm -hmm. that uh, and and you yeah. uh, you compare all this to the to the disk analysis, which would make you a high D personality. So, so you're extrovert and, and off the charts D. Do what? Say again. Mm -hmm. I say I'm off the charts D. <laughs> off the charts D. I, I score right. like ninety seven percent. All right. So you we we've been talking here for uh, for five ten minutes, and we've met a couple times before. Who am I? Who are you? Yeah, tell well, well, you which, are. Which one am I? Oh, what personality? Yeah. Um, man. I haven't really spent a lot of time talking to you, but based on what I've seen, say you're extroverted. Uh, I'd say you're extrovert people. Extroverted high people. I. High I. All right. All right. So, uh, so, and, and what you're saying have is. Have you taken the assessment? I, I've not taken it. I'm not taking a disc assessment. I've taken a couple of other. Of course, I, I know, uh, I know my Briggs Myers. And I've, I've taken a, uh, another one that I can't remember the name of right now that was like a 60-page analysis that, that I did. So um, yeah, There's dozens of them out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, this was the one that uh, the, the Miracle on Ice 1980s Olympic team had used to, to analyze their people. And I, I just can't even remember the name of the, name of the, name of the report right now for me. But in uh, Briggs-Myers, I'm INTJ. Let's see, I'm ENTPA. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and, and with the way this helps salespeople is because if you know who you're dealing with, then you can kind of mirror them. And this was a, this was a, a sales tactic a sales manager taught me years and years and years ago is to kind is to, to mirror what, what your salesperson is doing. If they're frantic and excited, then you'll be frantic and excited. If they're breathing uh, slowly, then you breathe slowly. If they if, and, and have seen people take it to the extent, if you're, if you're, Customer has a slight southern draw. Then, if you actually develop a slight southern draw, and I've, I've actually met salespeople who do that instinctively and unknowingly, they naturally mirror who they're talking to. Is that the kind of thing right. that you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, to some degree. I mean, you get into like the mirroring and matching of NLP. This is this is basically an internal mi mat, uh, mirror match. Yeah, you're you're you're. You're, you're mirroring what their personality is as much as you are their gesticulation and their body movement, their pace and pitch of their voice and all that. Right. Um, if you can both, then you know, you're going to really get inside that person's head.
but people love it because people like to do business with people who are like them. Right. So the more like that person that you can become, the more likely you are to close. So you, you, we've got the five keys to successful communications. And, uh, but if, if, if you only had time to, to break down into one, if, if, if James could only pick one that you were going to study and that you were going to really master, where, where would you go? Where would you start? It would either be in language or micro expressions, probably micro expressions. Micro expressions are the most powerful thing that I teach. Yeah. To the analysis of micro expressions or, or actual our own use of micro expressions. Cause that was the thing I got from the book. A lot of it was about an analyzing what your customer is doing, but in a way you have to analyze what your customer is doing and you have to be aware of what you're doing as well. Right. In body language. Yes, for sure. Micro expressions you can't control. There, right. There's no way humanly possible to control a micro expression. And that's what makes them so, uh, so valuable when, when you're, working with a client or prospect because everybody lies and you know, that's just a fact. So between deception analysis and micro expressions, micro expression is a big key in, in deception analysis and it's very, very accurate. Uh, you know, if a person, if you hand somebody a proposal and, and they look at it and they flash a, a fear expression and it happens in less than half a second, it mm -hmm. can happen in a fifth of a second. But if you can see that fear flash on their face, then you know that you've got a problem and you've got to address it even if they never voice an opinion, you know, because the objection may come up, well, I need to talk to my wife, but you know, they're afraid of something. Are they afraid of their wife? Or are they afraid of the price? Or are they, you know, what is it that they're afraid of? But by knowing that you can, you can move your presentation around so that you can back into that problem and, and address it before the objection is voiced. And so that's the, that's the real power of being able to read the micro expressions and deception analysis is that you can, it's not about finding a lie. It's about getting to the truth. So by, if you can see someone, like if you make an, an offer and a person flashes uh, contempt, you know you've got, you got a different situation altogether than if they uh, flashed fear or happiness. You know, if, if you see somebody flash happiness, you don't want to negotiate your price anymore because they're happy with the price as it is. They mm -hmm. may say they want you to lower the price, but you already know based on the micro expression when they saw the numbers, that you're good. They're going to buy at that price. So what would be an example of, of a micro expression? You oh, mean do one? Do what? Say again? Uh, you mean to do one? Uh, because they're, like I say, it's very how you, hard how, to, how, to. How do we recognize it? Um, well, there's seven basic emotions that a person's going to express and there are combinations that can happen as well. But seven basic emotions are happiness, sadness, uh, contempt, anger, fear and surprise and uh, I always, I always lose one when I'm going through the list. Uh, that's right. It's six and then neutral. So that's, that's basically what they are. So it's just knowing. And one of the problems that people have is if they see one, one expression all the time, that's going to be pretty much the only one that they can tell you it is. Hmm. We, we think we can read people's faces, but really we can't. It's kind of like a smile. Smile is a good example yeah. because a smile doesn't occur here. It occurs here. And so if, if a person smiles, it's like if you ever look at people's pictures and everybody's smiling, but nobody looks happy it's because <laughs> the, the smiles are not a true smile. They're, they're a, a lip smile. Right. So uh, when a person smiles, the uh, orbiculus acutely muscles around the eye will contract. And it's very difficult to do that intentionally. Only I think about 10% of the population can actually flex those muscles and make those wrinkles appear on the corner of the eye. 
So if a person now on a micro expression, just a turn of a lip, the turn of the corners of the lips tells you that they're that they're happy with it. But a, a true smile is is all in the is almost all in the eyes. So that's micro expressions. That's that's the small. Let's talk about the macro expressions. Let's talk about body language. How do how do we read body language? Uh, how do we how do, how do we recognize body language? And and how do we that body language? Because that is something that we can control. And one of the things that I I, I have an interest in is our, that our own personal body language affects us. That our the way we stand affects the way we think. The way we gesticulate affects the words we say. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, one of the things that I teach in the book is that you, <laughs> you've got a, a big feedback loop that occurs. The, the technical terms for what I teach is psycho or neuropsychology and psychophysiology, which is a feedback loop. Mm-hmm. Your neurology affects your psychology, your psychology affects your physiology and your physiology uh, reflects in your neurology. So then that changes your psychology and then your physiology and then your neurology again. So you get into this big loop. Of, of these three part three components it's very difficult to just change your neurology because it's hard to tell your nervous system to change um, your psychology you might be able to change but the one thing you can certainly change is your physiology mm-hmm. and you know like you say I was talking to somebody the other day they're having a, a problem with their health and they don't feel well well they they have a bad neck and their head is down mm-hmm. and and I told them I was like you know Show me, show me depression and, and you know, th- that your head goes down, your shoulders come in and, you know, you can't help but become depressed if you hold that, that posture for any period of time. So same thing with, so if you're in a feedback loop that's negative, if you just change your, your posture and your body positioning to one, uh, Amy Cuddy calls them power poses yep. uh, where you go in like a Superman pose, Wonder Woman pose, uh, the, the victory pose with your arms up. Even sitting back with your feet crossed on a desk is, is a high, high power uh, posture. And mm-hmm. if you do that for two minutes, you'll increase your testosterone levels by about 20%. So you, you're going to change your neurology, you're changing your body chemistry, and you're changing your, your psychology all at one time just by changing one thing. So when you watch a prospect, <coughs> if, they are, if they're sitting at the desk and they're all tied up in knots and, and closed down, you're going to have a hard time getting them to, to do anything because they're, they're not open. Uh, and that one thing that you see people or people talk about all the time is like, well, what does it mean if my arms are crossed? Well, right. it doesn't mean anything if you're crossed unless you're doing something else. I had a guy one time at a meeting, he said, Oh, you're the body language guy. And I said, yeah. He said, what does it mean if, if I cross my arms? And I said, it doesn't mean anything except for your foot's pointed towards the door. So I know <laughs> that you're done with the conversation. You're wanting to get away. And he said, well, yeah, I didn't need to go pay my check. And I was like, yeah, you, you're, you're telling me that with your body. Uh, but it takes more than one, one cue to show you what a person's actually got going on. But, uh, you know, those, if, if you've got a client or a prospect that's, that's drawn in like that, that's small, number one, you have a little bit of an advantage over them because their psychology is all jacked. But the other thing that you want to do is you want to get them open. So, you know, if you hand somebody a piece of paper to look at, uh, hand them a pen, hand them something, to, to get them to open their posture back up, mm-hmm. uh, you know, something to get them to sit back and, and open up, you know, th- then you're going to have a much better chance of building rapport, uh, being able to, because you certainly don't want to mirror that posture. Right. You, you'll never get done if you start doing that. Yeah. But uh, I mean, you can to a certain degree to try to lead them back out, but the easiest thing is just to hand them something, tell a joke, do something to get them to lighten up and, and relax a little bit. 
So, so let's go back. Um, you, uh, you, you talked about the Amy Cuddy power poses and uh, how standing that way or, or, or maintaining that position will, will, will affect your, your body chemistry and boost your testosterone to, by, by 20%. And I've actually, I've actually mentioned that in, in speeches that I've done. And I've, I've, I've had a couple of women be like, oh, I, you know, I, I don't want that. <laughs> Tell us why boosting your <laughs> testosterone by 20% is a good thing, whether you're a man or a woman. Well, when you boost your testosterone like that, you increase, they did, she did some studies by, you know, not just to see if it did it, but to see what happened. One, one good side effect is your cortisol drops by the same amount. So right. the cortisol is your stress hormone and cause you to, to put on weight. So there you go, ladies, you, you, <laughs> you're worried about getting testosterone. You're, you're also dropping your cortisol, but uh, they did other experiments. Like they did a bungee jump, I think, and they did, they took them gambling. And they had two control groups, one that had the power poses, one that did the, the smaller poses, you know, the, the drawn up poses the, and uh, the insecure poses. The people who did the, the power poses were much more willing to gamble higher, higher dollar amounts than the people who had not. The ones who had, had done the power poses were more willing to jump on the bungee jump than the ones who had not. Uh, it, was, it was a very, very conclusive study that it, it makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so a couple more questions and then we'll, we'll, we'll get to the action step that I promised you here. But I have a lot of people who, uh, who listen to the program, watch the program, who come from the automotive industry. That's, that's my background. So a lot of, a lot of them are salespeople. And in the automotive business, we have uh, what we call a, a five minute sale because a lot of times we have people walking in the door and we've got five minutes to make them our best friend and, and, and turn them into a buyer before they, they get back on the internet and find a new price and, and they're out the door. So a lot of my people are going to be looking for the quickest way, the fastest way to put any of this stuff, the five pillars that you've talked about. What's the quickest way to use this to get into sync with a customer, to get on the same page with the customer, to, to establish an immediate rapport? Well, I think the, the biggest thing, at least for me, has been, and I actually sold cars one time. Um, I've sold just about everything. Yeah. But uh, sales is sales. It, the the psychology and the 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 process of selling is the same now where our approach may be different and we may have to say different things because of the product or service that we have but the biggest thing to me that i've always had the most success with is to open up with anything but what i do mm -hmm. is to build a rapport or relationship with them where they are not with have you decided what you want or is there anything that i can show you today but basically open up with with personal conversation and get that person comfortable with, with you, the person rather than you, the car salesman. And, you know, there are some industries that have reputations that make it very difficult to break through. Right. And, you know, if you can be that different person who shows interest in the person that you're talking to on a personal level, rather than just here comes a commission. Uh, and I don't, and I don't think most salespeople think that, that here comes a commission thing. Right. The, the prospects think that, yeah, um, but, yeah. but you know, it's very true. A, a true pro is not thinking about just the commission on a the sale. They're thinking about making their customer happy. And, and if you can get across to the prospect very quickly that you're interested in their happiness, not in your commission, uh, it goes a long ways toward, towards moving your prospect to where you want them to be. And, and car sales is tough because, because nobody likes to buy a car. Uh, cars or car sales is like the dentist of, <laughs> of the sales industry. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's very tough. Uh, but, uh, you know, getting people comfortable and, and meeting them at their level just to build that rapport. And you can build rapport very quickly, especially if you go through the linguistics chapter of the book, 
where you learn to talk to someone in a way that, that goes into their subconscious mind, you can make somebody like you all that almost instantly. And yeah. I've had people say, you know, how, do you, how in the world do you get people to like you so well? You know, when I'm a really unlikable person. <laughs> if you know anything about the disc profile system, you know I'm not a likable person. But, you know, I can shift myself to be the person that they, that they like. So, so what is one? What's, what's, what's a great opener? Guys, guys, you know, get a couple standing there. They're walking around the cars and they're closed up. You can tell they're nervous and they, they, they don't want to be there. Uh, and, and you have to approach them. You have to build a rapport. You open your mouth. What comes out? Um, how you doing? Uh, you know, just, just something and not, not how you doing and what, what kind of car are you looking for? Or what, how are you doing? And then go right into your car. But you know, if they got kids with them, comment on the kids. Yeah. Uh, you know, if they're a young couple, you know, they're, they're just, I always just read what I see. I don't know what to say as a generic. It's just, right. I read what I see. And then I, I comment based on that. And I mean, you can go in with, you can go in with the vehicle. You know, if they're standing there looking at the car and they're got, they're showing all kinds of fear and, and, uh, you know, in trepidation because they're standing there looking at a sticker price, they may not have bought a car for five years or they may have never bought a new car. And, right. and you can walk up there and say, wow, they are expensive, aren't they? At yeah. least you think they are. Yeah. And, you know, so, you know, but they're not, it's not as bad as you might think. And, uh, you know, just basically set them at ease, interrupt the pattern that, that they're thinking of. Because when they go on the lot, they, they're in a, lot, a thought loop and, and they're going through this in their head. And it's either a, I'm not going to buy today loop or it's I have no idea what I'm doing loop. <laughs> Prices are going to be way higher than I can afford loop. There's some loop that they're running that is counterproductive to what you're, you're there for. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it just depends on the person. If you're talking to me, it would be different than it would be if you were talking to my wife because right. their personality is so different. The, uh, and, and you and I have both been, been at this a while and things have changed pretty dramatically over the last few years and the way human beings communicate and the way human beings, the way things are sold and, and the way people gather information about the sales process. And a lot of it is now happening electronically. They're, they're grabbing everything off their phone. They've all been to websites. They've got apps that are telling them where to go and, right. to stop and what to do and how to get the best price and which one, which one is the best thing. And, and actually, a lot of the communications with salespeople is being conducted electronically either through email or through text or, or you know through through chat. Um, so how can we implement some of these five keys to successful communications when we're doing electronic communications um, the linguistics works both ways right and the linguistics work on both electronic on text on you know voicemail on the phone it, it works the same I mean there's a little tweaks that you got to put in if you're if you're doing written uh, like the adverb adjective precepts, uh, the precept positions where you put the adverbs and adjectives in front of the verb or the noun. Uh, we are really lazy about putting the adverbs and adjectives behind the noun or verb instead of in front of them. Yeah. And, you know, you can stack that up and put two or three ad adverbs or adjectives in front of the verb or noun when you're speaking. But when you're writing, you can't do that because it gets weird when you're reading three adverbs or adjectives back to back to back. Right. Um, so you put like one in the front, one in the back. And the reason for that pattern is because when you tell someone, like I say, you can easily afford this car, that, that changes. It's, that's different than say you can afford this car very easily. And so if I say it, you can afford this car very easily, they're going to challenge you can afford this car mm -hmm. and say in the very easily 
doesn't mean anything. But if I say you can very easily afford this car, they're going to challenge the easily, not that you can afford the car. So, mm -hmm. and it's just that simple the way that the mind works. Uh, you got a much better chance of getting a, an affirmative there than you than you don't. The other thing, and I did it just now. I don't know if you saw it, but I saw it in the screen. Uh, even though I'm supposed to be looking at the camera. Uh, when you say you can easily afford this car mm -hmm. and you're shaking your head no, that person doesn't know how to read body language. Right. But those symbols, those symbols are so primitive, they're imprinted in your brain. And they may not realize what they saw, but they will, the subconscious will pick it up. And mm -hmm. you may say, you can easily afford this car, but if you're shaking your head no, even very slightly, they're going to pick it up and they're going to they're say, well, I can't afford the car. Right. So you got to be very careful that you're being honest. And, and what you said is true, not only in the, in the stand, from the standpoint of communicating back and forth, but also salespeople have been put in a very different situation now than they used to be. You know, we used to, we had all the information. Oh yeah. And, and prospect was at our mercy to make to, you know, we could be honest or dishonest with them if we wanted to be. And, and you know, of course, honesty is always stressed and professionals are honest. Uh, salespeople hacks or not, mm -hmm. but, but a true professional is, is honest, but we can't know everything about everything and everything about every model of car. I mean, if you memorized everything about every model of car on a lot, you would be an amazing person. You right. would be, uh, you wouldn't be selling cars, <laughs> uh, but you know, when a customer comes to, when someone comes to you now, they've been on the internet for who knows how many hours researching all of the packages, all of the prices, what the dealer incentives are. They know exactly what the dealer pay, pays for the car. And so now the salesperson not only has to be able to get the person to like the car, they also got to explain to them why the dealer should make money on the car. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, it's one of those mystical things that they expect you to not make any money and just make it up on volume, I guess. That's right. But, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, you know, they, you have to be able to justify your price. Yeah. And where used to, it was not as difficult to justify the price because they weren't as educated as they are now. Yeah. So, I, you know, being able to be convincing and persuasive is even more critical now than it was when you and I were coming up. Yeah. I tell everyone now that, that, that uh, your, your customer, 99% of the time, your customer is going to know no, more about the product than you are because they've been studying exactly that product. They know everything top to bottom, head to down because they've become an expert in the last 10 days on exactly right. what they want, where you're, you're trying to maintain your expertise on everything. So being an expert on the product isn't as valuable as it used to be because everybody's an expert on the product now. And your, your job is right. more often than not to sell you, to sell the dealership, to sell the buying right. experience because that's what they're not an expert. Absolutely. On. Absolutely. So, so, so here, we get, here we get to the good part that I promise everyone, uh, these are all salespeople and entrepreneurs that watch and listen to the show. They're, they're, they're busy people. They're type A's. They've got people to go, people to see, places to go, things to do. Uh, you know, watching me run my mouth with my friend for 30 minutes a week is not high on their list unless they're getting something out of it. And I tell everyone that uh, knowledge without action is just entertainment. And I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to give you knowledge that you can put to use to make your life better, to create health, happiness, and prosperity in your life. And I ask every guest, for one action step, one thing that people watching and listening to the show today can do immediately, can do today, can do right freaking now to put what we've talked about into action in their life to create health, happiness, and prosperity. So James, give us an action step that we can get started on today. Well, the one thing, and we kind of touched on it, that probably will do more good than anything else is whatever you're doing right now, break the pattern. It, it, unless you're like, if you're in car sales and you've sold three cars this morning, don't break the pattern. <laughs> but if, you're, if, you're, if you're having a normal day, break the pattern. Uh, 
you're in a loop and, and as long as you stay in that loop, you're going to continue to get the results you've gotten, you know, from in the past. So, you know, a lot of people, and we, well, we're all this way, you get up in the morning and you start into that loop. If you can alter that loop, if you can break that pot thought pattern, then you can radically alter the way that your day goes. It could be power poses. It could be, uh, you know, banging your head on the wall, just something to shock your nervous system out of that pattern uh, to get you back, you know, on the right. I've heard people talk about doing a rubber band on the wrist and, and stuff like that, but yeah. that's not enough of a shock to really do much good. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and if you do a shock, if you give yourself some kind of a, some kind of a suggestion right after the shock immediately, uh, your subconscious mind will latch onto it and think that it was its own. The other thing I would say is move your adverbs and adjectives in front of the nouns and verbs, and that'll make a big difference. That's in the book. It's part of it. But uh, that, that's one of the easiest speech patterns to change that there is. It doesn't make you sound weird, but it does change the way that your communication goes into the subconscious mind of the prospect. And the book is The Mind Hacker's Guide to Selling the Science of Easily, Ethically Influencing the Human Mind. James, tell us how we can get the book. Uh, it's on Amazon. Um, just look it up as The Mind Hacker's Guide to Selling. It's both Kindle and uh, paperback. Uh, or you can email uh, me. At, you can email the site for the book. as book at mg or mhgs.com. Uh, MHGSbook.com. The Mind Hacker's Guide to Selling by James Springer. James, anything you want to leave us with? One last word of advice. Um, Be a student of people. Be a student of, of pay attention. People don't pay attention. We just go through life floating around. Really watch people and how they interact. And you'll learn a lot about what's going on in people's heads. Get you some radio. You've been listening to the Get You Some Radio Show. Subscribe today at terrylancaster.tv to hear more episodes, win valuable cash and prizes, and get free training to help you create an army of buyers who know, like, and trust you before they've ever even met you. It's a big, wide world, boys and girls. Get out there and get you some.